0: I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Stephen Schroeder, Distinguished Professor of Health and Healthcare in the Department of Medicine and Director of the Smoking Cessation Leadership Center at the University of California, San Francisco. Dr. Schroeder has co-authored a perspective article on the Joint Commission's new tobacco-related performance measures for hospitals. Dr. Schroeder, a new report from the U.S. Surgeon General focuses specifically on smoking among young people in the United States And it reveals that almost a quarter of high school seniors and a third of young adults in this country smoke. Do those findings surprise you?
1: No, because they're really an extension of previous years, Steve. Uh, The good news is that the smoking rates are excruciatingly slowly on their way down. And by two different surveys, Uh, One of them shows that uh, approximately 19% of uh, seniors in high school are currently smoking. Actually, it's 18.7. And a different survey shows it it is about 25%. So they've been coming down. Uh, That's the sort of good news. The bad news is they're coming down way too slowly, and it's still far too many young people smoking. Now, I should say that this is have you ever smoked in the last 30 days? And so uh, one of the other trends has been that um, people in general, and young people as a part of that, when they smoke, are smoking less frequently. So that's a a ray of sunshine.
0: The Surgeon General's report concludes that to reduce the initiation of smoking among these young people, we should be looking at mass media campaigns, comprehensive community programs, specific kinds of school-based programs, statewide tobacco control programs, and that we should be increasing cigarette prices. What do you see as the most effective interventions? The data show
1: that the two most effective um, for people in general are raising the price of a pack of cigarettes, and we in, in uh, 2010 passed a 62 cent per, per, ta- per pack federal tax. So that means that the federal tax on Pakistani rents is a dollar and a penny. Uh, and states vary. Uh, some states have uh, a, a tax as high as $2.50. Others, it's as low as $0.25. Cents. In general, southern states tend to have lower taxes. But taxes really the price is really works, especially kids are price sensitive. The thing that works better for adults is uh, smoke-free areas. Um, It's not as clear that smoke-free areas are good at discouraging young people from starting. And then um, a counter-advertising campaign aimed specifically at young people, such as the Legacy Foundation's Truth campaign, has been shown to uh, uh, lower the rate of youth starting to smoke and also keep smoking.
0: Speaking of advertising, just this week, the federal government announced a new anti-smoking ad campaign from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in which former smokers are gonna talk about the dire consequences of smoking to their health. Have you seen any of these ads? Do you think this sort of thing will work? I've seen them, they're really
1: grim. Um, there is some data that they will work. There are really three different um, themes that advertising campaigns have taken. One of them is the one that uh, that the CDC is, is, is gonna roll out and that's rolled out in some some other states. The second is what the Legacy Campaign did, which is to focus on youth, and instead of uh, getting young people to have a rebellion against their parents, they portray the, the tobacco industry as bad guys and basically say, if you smoke, you're helping these bad guys. And the data are that uh, the more uh, young people are exposed to those counter-ads, the less likely they are to, to smoke. And then Legacy Foundation also had a campaign called Become an X." And this really tries to create empathy with how hard it is to, to, uh, to quit smoking, and uh, shows that um, if you persevere, you, you can do it. Now, this comment about it takes a lot of different efforts to drive down smoking rates is uh, sort of poignant today, because many of those efforts come from states and states are facing fiscal crises, and one of the first casualties when the budget acts get swung are the, uh, the public health uh, programs that drive uh, the advertising messages, the staffing of the quit lines, and other things. So um, we're really not doing as well as a country in the last couple of years, really, uh, especially at the state level.
0: So is that what's brought the federal government to this point?
1: I think, to some point, it has. I think also the uh, the uh, the stimulus act, the ARA, the the uh, fifty-four million dollars is going to be spent on this uh, on this uh, uh, new uh, anti-smoking campaign. That sounds like a lot of money. The tobacco industry sends fifteen billion dollars a year um, in uh, trying to. Trying to promote its its products, so uh, that's about a day or two of um, money when you compare it to the to the fifty four million dollars.
0: Your perspective article addresses one aspect of what clinicians can do in this regard: the opportunity they have for smoking cessation interventions while patients are hospitalized. Are there data about hospitalized patients showing how? Many of them continue to abstain if they have stopped abstaining while hospitalized?
1: Yeah, there are two components to this, Steve. One is that it's been shown that having a critical illness like a heart attack or a pneumonia is a wonderful stimulus to get people who used to say, I'm not going to quit, to say, you know, it's time. And so that's called a, a, a teachable moment. And then there are data from the Mass General and the Mayo Clinic and elsewhere showing that um, you can use the hospital as an opportunity to get people to, to quit. And the quit rates are higher. The, the normal cold turkey rate of quitting is about 3 to 4%. And the data show that uh, the rates can be uh, 15 20%. What Mayo does, Mayo actually hospitalizes people who would like to quit smoking. I don't think they're covered by a a health insurance policy, so they've got to be able to pay out of pocket. But these are really hardcore smokers, and they get a 50% quit rate.
0: Hospitals can choose four of the 14 Joint Commission uh, performance measures How many hospitals do you think will take up smoking as one of those core measures?
1: That's a great question. We don't know yet. I am worried that many won't because it requires an extra step, which is calling patients after they've been discharged. Um, And if that's so, hospitals will have missed a huge opportunity to improve the health of the patients that they serve. You can argue that uh, it may be one of the most important post-discharge functions they can do. But in asking around, I am worried that many hospitals may pass on, on that opportunity. Uh, the National Quality Forum and CMS are also considering this, and actually may mandate it. So um, I would urge hospitals who are who have read the article and anyone working in a hospital who is listening to this to this conversation to say you might as well get in it now because it looks like it's going to happen later, and you might as well get the. It, experience in doing it the the right way now.
0: The Joint Commission, whose new measures you uh, describe in your article, originally exempted psychiatric and drug treatment units in hospitals from its ban on tobacco use. Has that changed?
1: No, um, the Joint Commission still gives them a waiver But there has been a movement, separately, uh, sponsored by the National Association of State Mental Health Program Directors and others to make make those facilities smoke-free. And um, the data are good, so in 2006, 41% 41% of such hospitals um, were smoke-free, and in 2010 it went up to 79%. So I think over time we're going to move towards uh, every healthcare facility, whether it's psychiatric or substance abuse treatment, is going to be smoke-free. And that's very good news because, as you probably know, um, smoking takes a terrible toll on these populations.
0: In another area, a federal district court judge recently ruled that the FDA's requirement for graphic warning labels on cigarette packages violated the First Amendment rights of the tobacco companies. Have, have those graphic warnings been effective in other countries? Yeah, uh,
1: in Australia, in Canada, in the UK, the data seem to show that they work. The little sort of wimpy warning in our country doesn't work at all in uh, some of the latin american countries that are very macho they actually show a picture of a limp cigarette and on the package warning it says warning smoking can make you infinite and that gets a lot of heads turned
0: if the ruling in fact stands on on appeal are there other effective tools are there other ways to to accomplish the same end
1: well um the cdc the advertising uh, uh, the the campaign that we talked about would be good, but that's short time only. The beauty of the warning insert is that every time you look at a pack of cigarettes, buy it, put it in your shirt pocket, you see two things. You see these grisly labels, and you see the 1-800-Quit-Now. Um, I'm hoping that even if the ruling is upheld, the 1-800-QUIT-NOW number, which tells smokers if they want to quit, here's the number they should call, would stay. And I think that's going to be helpful. And then I would like to see the uh, counter-marketing budget uh, of, of, of programs that many states, like the state of California, have done very very well and the, and the Legacy Foundation. We'd love to see more of that, but those are costly, and the revenues for those seem to have dried up.
0: Last year, the FDA's new uh, Tobacco Products Scientific Advisory Committee issued a report on menthol cigarettes. and Many people felt that was too weak a statement of the risks involved. Can you tell us a bit about the science and the politics behind menthol?
1: Well, the, the politics and the science are really, really kind of, kind of fascinating. The idea of putting menthol in cigarettes is that it's cooling and it blunts the irritating sense of, of smoke. For reasons I don't fully get, uh, it's been um, the, the mentholated brands have been marketed much more in, intensely in inner cities. So African Americans have a much higher rate of smoking menthol cigarettes. Uh, African Americans also have, uh, African Americans who smoke have a higher rate of lung cancer, and the lung cancer is more, out, more apt to be in, in, the, in the periphery. And it's thought that this is because they may inhale more deeply because of of the menthol. That said, the science base on how much adding menthol adds to the risk of illness uh, and makes it harder to quit is not iron tight. And I think the FDA is really worried that if they go beyond their scientific mandate, they'll have a whole raft of suits. Uh, from, the, from the industry, and I think that's why they've been acting with, with caution.
0: Overall, do you feel optimistic about smoking cessation in the United States? I'm feeling more optimistic
1: now about um, getting on top of the smoking problem than I did four or five years ago. Why? Well, because we're noting a lot of progress. In California, the smoking prevalence now is, is uh, just under 12% lowest it's ever been, the second lowest in, in, in the country, second only to Utah, which has half its population as Mormon and therefore don't, don't smoke. Um, the national prevalence is at an all-time low. It's at 19.3%. And of those smokers who continue to smoke, um, they're smoking fewer cigarettes. So it's not that the residue of the smokers are sort of hardcore. Even smokers who keep smoking are, are really smoking less. There are more and more smoke-free areas. Uh, we know that certain uh, groups, like doctors, have dropped down to a 1% smoking prevalence. Um, lung cancer deaths in women are now starting to, to, to fall. They started smoking, they started falling for men a good maybe 10 or, or even, even 15 years ago, but they're starting to fall in women, showing that um, women's smoking rates have come down too. Uh, smoking is more stigmatizing. Um, and if um, people take up the new regulations from the Joint Commission, and if the and if the FDA warning uh, uh, labels go go in, I think the climate is increasingly um, favorable to lower um, the rate of smoking, which is good news for anybody working in healthcare.
0: Thank you, Dr. Schroeder.